and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. As always, my name is Laura Boyle and I am your host. I'm here today with the lovely Seva to talk about relationships with metamors. So today we're talking about sort of the good, the bad, and everything in between. There's a lot of in between, but just as a warning, today we start with some of the bad. So if you'd rather not hear about that, um, listen to about uh, this intro and then the first minute of the introduction and then skip about 10 minutes in because her first very long sort of story is a actually a partner problem metamore where she had to throw the whole partner out to kind of fix the situation um but it's the bad first um and then we move into what are actually like 80 percent of cases or more uh which is all of the neutral and the good um, so that said, we're going to cut into our interview with Seva and, uh, here we go. To move on to our discussion about metamorphs, you and I have been friends for several years and we have both seen each other have good and bad relationships with metamorphs and, a whole lot of the blurry stuff in between uh, or changes in our metamors and things like that. So I thought that you were a good person to talk to about this, mostly because somehow through the last six years, you've had more metamors than anyone I've ever met. And I think it's because you were dating a minor celebrity for a time. Um, and he had a lot of partners. And so you had a sort of whole extended family network coming out of that in a weird way. Um, maybe weird is the wrong word. No, I think it's a pretty accurate word. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly oddly specific to that circumstance. Uh, and so as a side effect of you having had probably as many metamors as anyone I know, I'd like to ask what for you defines a relationship with a metamor as a good one? For me, I think having a basis of respect for each other's relationships mm -hmm. is probably the most important thing to me because if you can't respect your metamorphs relationship with your shared partner, then I find it really difficult to build anything substantial off of that. And I feel that it makes you know, the difficulties more apparent. Mm -hmm. So would you say that in general you try to get to know your metamors or do you prefer a like sort of parallel approach until it naturally comes up that you're going to meet them or somewhere in between? I'm somewhere in between. Um, 
I like to meet them and, you know, have a kind of idea of what they're like as a person when my partner starts becoming involved with them because, you know, fear of the unknown is Mm -hmm. a real thing. Um, So addressing that sort of head on helps me. But at the same time, I don't want it to be like a let's get together every week for drinks and hang out and be BFFs. Like I'm perfectly content to just like, all right, like we've met. Awesome. Cool. You seem like a reasonable person. I'll see you when I see you. Right. So is it something along the lines of like needing to meet to humanize the person so that you don't end up building them up in your head? Um, As the evil entity that's out to destroy my relationship with my partner, yeah. (laughs) Right, or as this perfect entity who is the example of all the things that you're not at this moment, sort of depending on where anxiety is going. I know both of us uh, have that in common, where we have cycles of anxiety or self-esteem issues that these things can build into that we've had to work a lot on in managing polyamory so a good relationship with a metamorph for you is essentially based on respect and acknowledges sort of any potential level of interaction starting at that mutual respect right you don't have any particular ceiling on so I was I was trying to make up lists um, mm-hmm. of you know okay who who are my best my worst my favorites <laughs> um, the worst so it's interesting because some of them were just genuinely horrible and some of them were horrible predominantly because of our shared partner okay so. I can touch on both if you'd like extra yeah, drama. Yeah, can I have a little bit of both, like an example of each? Yeah, so when I was dating said minor celebrity, mm-hmm. um, I had a particular metamorph who I became close with mostly because we were shoved together. And that person is not a bad person, but just somebody with a lot of difficulties Mm -hmm. that I was basically put in charge of managing completely. And I dealt with them at like 3 a.m. when they were like in crazy spirals. I dealt with them trying to sabotage my self-esteem in regards to my relationship with that partner out of their own insecurities. It was, I I accidentally fell into a relationship with that person Mm -hmm. that I wasn't really allowed to end because it would have made more trouble for my partner. It was disastrous and took a major toll on my mental health. Right. So if I recall the particular person uh, that you're talking about, because we were friends at that time. Yes. uh, The biggest problems were first that your shared partner didn't really just want you to be friends. They wanted to outsource some of their responsibilities to each of you to the other. And this metamorph of yours who they pushed you together with 
uh, was sort of in no position to mutually support you, but thought they were. So you ended up in this relationship that ended up being very one-sided. Super one-sided. Yeah, they, they were in no position to offer me any decent support at all. Right. I and was on a month-long trip to visit family specifically to relax mm-hmm. and to take care of myself. And I spent probably close to four hours daily on the phone with them. I would just – I'd stop answering the phone. Mm-hmm. I like, It would be 1 o'clock in the morning and I'd be getting a phone call from them. And I'm like, I can't do this. Right. So that was simultaneously – a bad metamorph situation and a like forced triad toxic kind of extreme end of the kitchen table spectrum situation. Sure. So I in my blog post series on different sort of structures and shapes of relationships we go from really extreme kitchen table through to various middle grounds, including sort of mixed polycules and all the way down to really extreme parallel, like don't ask, don't tell level. And my general thesis in all of that is that the extremes are generally unhealthy. So it sounds like this was an extreme where you were sort of obligated to get along with this metamorph to the point where it became a relationship and then you sort of felt as though it were impossible or you weren't allowed to exit because it would harm the hinge partner. Yes. And so yep. there was a lot of guilting going on. Oh, so much that guilt. that whole process. <laughs> so much guilting. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, that was that so was an experience. Quick, let's stop the listeners from thinking that all is lost and that they're never going to find a metamor they like. <laughs> Who is your favorite metamor of all time? You don't need to give a name, but like give a description of your relationship with them, or if you know they wouldn't mind, you can give their name. Um, so it's it's difficult. I actually have two amazing metamors right now. Um, mm-hmm. So. I have my primary partner who I live with, and then I have two other partners who both live out of state away from me, um, and they both have their own live-in partners. Mm-hmm. And both of these people are just, they're wonderful, and I love them dearly, and I, I just, I, I enjoy them as people, but I think my favorite metamor was somebody very early on for me who has I, I've lost touch with, they've moved away, um, mm-hmm. but we shared a partner um, who was also wonderful and who I'm still friends with, and this person just, to me, they embodied what polyamory should be about, and it was just, I always felt from the get-go that they 100% respected me, they respected the fact that you know, our shared partner decided to start dating me and wanted to put forth, you know, as much effort as we were both comfortable with in getting to know me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have this incredible memory where we had all spent the night after 
going out to a club and we walked like hand in hand to this breakfast place. We all had breakfast together and it was just this wonderful, like picturesque moment between three people, like two of which who are sharing a partner and it was just perfect. And like, this is one of the only instances where I never had any drama surrounding Mm -hmm. this person. Like we were supportive of each other. You know, when we went through difficult times with our shared partner, um, you know, we, we were both there for each other and it was just an extremely positive. That was what I held on to through all of my less than stellar experiences with metamors. I was just always like, all right, well, I had this one metamor who was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I have a couple of metamors from the past who every time I'm like, oh no, is the string of bad metamor relationships I've had like all on me? I go, wait, no, I had great relationships with this person and that person. So clearly it is possible to do this anyway, even if these two aren't meshing well. Yep. And so in general, I think it sounds like for you, goals in a metamor relationship are people who you can get friendly enough and close enough to that you're a support system for each other. Yeah, I... That has... That's been my goal. And I've always really wanted that to be the case. I've found it very difficult to actually achieve that successfully Mm -hmm. since then. Like I've had, I've had, you know, decent metamors and I've had good metamors and like two of them right now are really excellent. Um, But I've found it hard to maintain the balance of like, all right, let's not get to the point where we're oversharing about our relationships with our shared partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, well, you said this, and now I'm questioning your judgment as a human. And now I'm wondering, if, are you really the right person for my, my partner? And mm-hmm. so I've, I've found it hard to kind of balance that lately. But I, I've still, I still have some pretty great metamorphs right now. So I also kind of have that thing where I want to be friendly, but I definitely have a comfort level to settle into that's hard to explicitly define with people because everyone's boundaries are in different places around things like how much you're willing to vent to each other about your shared partner. Or what subjects are okay to vent about and which ones aren't. Like, is it okay to gripe together about a miscommunication that you had with your partner that's of, like, a pattern that they tend to do? Or 
is it then crossing a line if it has anything to do with sex? Because for some people, that's a hard limit. They don't want to sort of think about their partner having sex with other people. And for some people, that's much less of a limit. And so finding out where that line is with different people through trial and error can cause bad feelings. Um, and also meeting people whose sort of base policy is, well, I want to meet you so that I've like seen your face, but I don't really want to have anything to do with you past that for those of us who prefer to be friendlier with people is kind of a challenging thing sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, I don't know that I really have a thesis here. I think I just sort of wanted us to talk about people without naming too many names and like so I mean we are we are notoriously good at gossip it's true we really are (laughs) you know and I've had metamors who it's like a roller coaster you never quite know when the drop and spin is gonna come uh and I've had metamors who have been very consistent but they've been very consistent at the level of I'll see you at a party and never else, right? Um, And I've also had really great metamors who, like, were my friend to the point where we had a weekly standing soup dumpling date that had nothing to do with our hinge partner we would meet at the Chinese place that would make the great soup dumplings. (laughs) So, like, I know that this is a possible and real thing. I think that it's a lot less common than people assume because both loving the same person doesn't mean that you're interacting with the same facets of that person. So it doesn't guarantee that you have overlapping interests. Yeah, I think I think it's honestly become a pet peeve for me when people go on about like, oh, well, I just want to have these great relationships with metamors where we connect spiritually and emotionally and all of these different ways. And like, let's have threesomes every other week or like, just where it's this image of perfection because, you know, like I've, I've been doing this for six years and that's, that's not always the case. And in fact, it's rarely the case I've found with a lot of people I know who are poly. Right. It's been perfect for a weekend. Sometimes it's never been like a deep, perfect spiritual experience for months on end. Yeah. Or years, right? Unless it happens to be that you organically fall into a triad that happens to last a really long time with everyone mutually making compromises and working together, like, you mostly don't manage utopian relationships with everyone your partner has ever seen. Yeah. Not, that doesn't usually happen. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I want to be realistic about that being sort of rare, 
but that there's a lot of good. There's a lot of friendly people. There's a lot of, well, we don't have a lot in common, but the three things we have in common are totally enough for us to talk about at the events we see each other at. Yeah. And like one of my metamors right now, she she's a really, really nice human being and I really appreciate her. And like we'll check in on each other during the quarantine and you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, do you need <laughs> anything? Let's just, you know, chat about random stuff for a little bit and like, okay, yeah, well, you know, call it that. But it means a lot that she'll check in on me and just, you know, hey, how are you doing? And there's no subtext. I don't need to worry about anything. Like, it's just very pleasant. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good situation. Yeah, anything sort of at pleasant or above is great in my book. And so I would say that more than half of my metamors have met that standard. And of the ones that are left, most of them has just been neutral. It's really only a small percentage where things are terrible for more than like a week, right? Like everyone has one fight that they have with someone that doesn't make the overall relationship terrible. But people who it's like true roller coasters or prolonged drama are few and far between. Yeah, I've only had a couple of those where it was just constant drama, 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 drama. Right, exactly. And with some people, you're like lucky enough to get to see each other's personal growth. And, like, you land somewhere better for it. But uh, there is some truth to people who don't push your insecurity buttons are much more likely to get the, the space and emotional energy that they need to form a real relationship with you. And people who do, it either takes longer or doesn't happen. And I think that's especially true for people like me who are kind of anxious and go through cycles of either I'm taking over the world or I have low self-esteem. Like, those are the only modes I operate in. And I blame uh, astrology. But, <laughs> uh, you know, if there wasn't so damn much Gemini in my chart, I'd be fine. Um, but it basically ends up boiling down to, for me, are they not only someone I have stuff in common with, but also someone who doesn't push every button I have? and even if they push every button I have, having enough in common can overcome that because I can independently talk to them as a human. But when the relationship is still that early phase where it's focused on the hinge, 
And it's like, yes, what we have in common is we both find this person attractive. Pretty much. Yeah, I... It's really hard. Yeah, it's hard for me to overcome the insecurity buttons being pushed. And I've worked really hard at that. Um, I, I had one metamore who really... And I think, it, I think it was because we were so similar. And I, I like this person a lot. And I would say it, she was not a, a bad metamorph. She wasn't, like, the best. It was barely middle road. But she still managed to hit a lot of my insecurities because we were just so similar. And I found it really easy to connect with this person in the early stages of their relationship with my partner. And then as their relationship progressed and got more involved, I had a much harder time with it because I'm like, this person's me. They're going to leave me for this person. And that wasn't realistic. And, you know, we, we both, I think had our own insecurities regarding each other. Um, And, you know, since their relationship ended, we've kind of gone back to like, we're not best friends or anything, but, you know, we're close enough to occasionally text each other and like, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, I was looking for advice on this, you know, or Hey, how are you doing? So I think that's, that's good. A lot of it ends up being like this monogamous programming of they're going to leave me for the new shiny. And that kicks in on sort of insecurities about people who are too similar to you, for me at least. And then the wait, if they love this person, how can they also love me? I must be unlovable and or wrong sort of kicks in if it's someone who is so different from you. Either that or the like, wait, they're all the things that I fear in this life. They are younger. They are taller. They are thinner. (gasps) And like, things that your brain can spiral on late at night, right? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I've done those late night spirals. (laughs) And, uh, but it all comes from this sort of sociocultural programming. And poly people aren't magically good at casting that off the day they say, we're going to see other people sometimes. Yeah. I I think that is a a sort of, I I don't know if misconception is the word I want to use, but it's, it's the word that's coming to mind about how you know, okay, we're poly, so therefore we shed all of those monogamous, you know, trappings, and we we live openly and freely, but it's like, y'all, we were still raised in a heavily monogamous culture where we need to be afraid of people leaving us, and, you know, men leave their wives for younger models, and, you know, women want the guys with the bigger dicks (laughs) like 
Right. There's, there's just, there's all of those things that we're still, are, are still ingrained in us and ingrained in our culture. So it doesn't mean that that stuff just disappears. It just means that I like to think of it as it gives us the opportunity to address those fears and insecurities and move past them. Right. Starting polyamory requires a certain amount of sheer willingness to not conform to cultural standards and second to get good therapists to help you that is key that is the majority of the reason i am less crazy than i used to be um because really we all should be in therapy it it should be mandatory (laughs) it should be covered under all health plans um But, so, back to the subject at hand and metamors. I think my ideal relationship-building steps with a metamor would be casually see someone for, like, two months, maybe three, long enough to know that they're going to stick around as a fixture in my life having been told whatever other partners they have or other structure they have in place. And then at that point go, oh, okay, this is becoming a real thing. How would your partners like to meet me? Would they like it to be like a one-on-one meeting or a thing you come to? Or is there a big event or a party that we could all meet at sometime soon? And then have that meeting go well. So whether it's that they want to go out for a coffee or that we're all going to be at so-and-so's Halloween party so we can all be there and have a quick chat, uh, to have that go reasonably where, like, it's a little awkward but we discover we have something in common and we talk about it for 10 minutes. And then we say, we should do this again sometime. And then actually do it again. (laughs) Well, and actually do it again in a couple of months when it's the Hinge's birthday or when it's another big event, right? And then slowly build up if the conversations get better over time. Right. And if it's someone I live with, uh, which currently I don't have a live-in partner, so you can see all my biases in my answers. Um, (laughs) But if it's someone I live with or someone the person I'm starting to see lives with, it's great if you can have those like five minute in passing interactions be pleasant, like builds up for me a sense of security around them where then it feels safe to like start texting or that's honestly been my biggest downfall i guess in some of my relationships with metamors Mm -hmm. is and you know part of it is my current live-in partner really likes his partners to be friends Mm -hmm. And it's not that he wants to force it or anything like that, but, you know, he's like, well, yeah, I I want you guys to be friends because, like, I think you're great and I think this person's great, so obviously you should be great together. Mm -hmm. And 
it winds up very early on in his relationship with said new person being like a okay let's do this together let's do that together let's have a threesome who knows it'll be fun we'll have a great time and like you know it's it we'll do that it'll go okay but then like the relationship starts to progress and i have nothing more than like kind of a cursory knowledge of this person and also i had sex with them once and then i'm kind of like i don't know this person and then I'm getting weird feelings, and I feel like there's no, like, foundation to stand on. Right. I think, so I think that has honestly been my biggest downfall. And since kind of learning that about myself, it's like, listen, I, I I'm will. not going to have the random threesome until I <laughs> yeah. feel like I have a foundation. <laughs> A foundation to have a non-random, a planned threesome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, I mean, my partner and I both are very firmly like, let's not do the triad thing. We've both done triad things before. Not good. Not good Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of already on that same page. For me, I've just had to make the firm boundary of like, I'm not going to have sex with your partners unless it's something... I have, like, decided on after months of knowing them, after months of knowing that you guys are, like, together. And even then, I probably won't do it unless they're really hot. (laughs) I like that, in general, being really hot is still an exception for everything. Hey, I've never pretended that I'm not a little bit slutty. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, So... To sort of sum up, there is no such thing as a perfect metamorph relationship. Anyone who tells you that there is is lying. And in general, it goes better if you find out people's preferences about how to start interacting and what their goals are in those interactions ahead of time. So if someone's just sort of on the same page as your partner, where they'd like their partners who are metamorphs to one another to get to know each other and hopefully be friends, and your meta agrees, we should probably try to be friends, you're still allowed to say, well, I want to meet and I'd like to be pleasant, but I don't know if we're going to be friends. Yeah. That is perfectly acceptable. You do not have to be best friends with your metamorph. Right. So it's obviously nice if things jive and you're friends. And it's pretty obviously nicer when that's the case. Just because it makes logistics simpler. It makes all going on outings nicer. It makes not feeling overly anxious when your partner goes on a date with them much better. (laughs) It increases compersion. Let's use all of our buzzwords. Uh, And so basically it's easier not to be jealous when it's your friend. And so sort of the baseline goal of relationships with metamors is to be civil and 
acceptable outcomes go all the way up through friendship to not quite relationships where you talk all the time your deep supports for each other or where you don't talk all the time and aren't deep supports for each other but end up having a sexual relationship because you're more into that than into each other's emotions at a given time. And all of those are sort of equally valid and good. And bad relationships with metamors are mostly ones where you're mean to each other, you're disrespectful of each other's relationships, you don't appear to respect each other as people, or where you roller coaster somebody hard enough that you don't know whether they're going to respect you as a person or not on a given yeah. day. Or when, or in that special circumstance we we discussed, when <laughs> your shared partner decides to offload all of their, you know, relationship obligations onto you and say, "Okay, you take care of that person for me," because right. that's—I mean, even if even if you like that person, even if you're friends with that person, that's yeah. going to cause resentment. Yeah, hinges offloading their relationship requirements is not really okay ever. That's probably another episode. For now, we can at least say that you can have a variety of relationships with metamors, that most of them are some variety of good, and some of them feel better, and some of them feel neutral. That once in a while you end up with the awful one, and that's sad. But okay. And happens about a quarter of the time. So <laughs> be ready if you're going to do this more than like twice. If you don't hit the high school sweetheart equivalent jackpot, you're going to hit it at some point while you're trying to be polyamorous. As we like to say, we're not poly because it's easy. We're poly because we thought it would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. So, thank you to Seva again for joining us for that. And uh, you can find her uh, work at uplinestudio.com. As always, you can find us at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can find the Patreon in the notes as well as the ko-fi they're both basically slash ready for polyamory and uh have an amazing day everyone thank you for listening <laughs>